Durant. Oh! A jawbreaker! Curry with the drive, blocked by Jackson. Bain, step back three. Bingo! Hello, Grizzly fans, and welcome to this edition of the Core Four, one of the featured podcasts on the Grizzly Bear Blues Network. My name is David Buckler, and as always, I am joined by my co-hosts, M.G. Matt Gill and Zaytime, Xavier Dotson. Great to be with you both. We are taping this show on Monday evening, November 21st, and we have a lot to cover as a lot has happened in this past week since our last edition. We'll look back at the week that saw Memphis go one and two, but the actual results might not be the biggest story as we're also lost two stars to injury, and there are some controversial comments from Charles Barkley. We'll cover it all, but first, Matt, what's going on with you? Tell us more about what you're doing with Grizzly Bear Bets, because we've seen you now host that show for a few weeks. Yeah, uh, filling in on a couple episodes. Uh, I did three. I had the Timberwolves game, which I crushed. I went 7-4 and four in that game, which was an awesome start. I probably should have just retired then from the show. Uh, but then we had the Thunder game and the Nets game as well. You can find all those podcasts on the Grizzly Bear Blues uh, podcast feed. Uh, same way, same place you find ours. But yeah, it's been super fun. Shout out Chase Bobbitt. He usually hosts that show, but he got married this week. So everybody tweeted him, tell him congratulations. But uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to fill in a couple more times. Dave, I'm sure you're going to get a couple episodes as well. Maybe we'll tag team a couple of those in the future. But yeah, keep a lookout for those and everything we got going on on Grizzly Bear Blues. Well, I think it's one of the strengths of the network, right? A lot we we all love the team, and we're gonna put good content out there. And uh, by the way, when when someone goes to Grizzly Bear Bets, so you're looking at the point spread for the night coming up. But what else? What else is on that show? Yeah, I so Chase does it a little bit differently. I think we have different tastes and kind of the bets we like. Obviously, yeah, I start out and he does as well with hitting the point spread and the total. Uh, for the game and then I'm a huge first quarter better I love piling on the first quarter and the Grizzlies are like such a good first quarter team and I don't think that the market's really caught up to that so I hit in the uh, Nets game they were obviously an underdog for the game and therefore an underdog in the first quarter and I was like look the first quarter is their best opportunity to come out there and show their best game against the Nets um, you know, while missing Jaron, Ja, and Bain. So I took them on the money line, hit that, and uh, the point spread plus two and a half against the Nets for the first quarter. So nailed both of those. Uh, and then I'll do a couple player props, loaded up on Tyus against the Nets as well. Didn't really pan out in some of them, but nailed the assists and the rebound totals uh, on Tyus. And then I'll throw in a same game parlay as well, something around the Seven plus 700 to eight plus 800 range. Uh, so that's usually all, all the stuff that I cover on the show. But yeah, it's super fun. Been a good experience um, and a good opportunity to show. Shout out to uh, Parker for letting me get to do that the last couple of days and Chase as well for taking some time off. Very good. And uh, Xavier, um, by the way, Xavier, I got new lighting for the show today because you want to put us on TikTok. I thought we were doing radio. Now my wife is like, you look terrible. She checked out your TikTok. And, you know, now I got a, like a TV studio in my office here because you're very popular on TikTok. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm branching out on TikTok. A lot of um, a lot of my followers from TikTok do t- check out the podcast. And so I do try to highlight some of the clips here and there of, of what we're talking about. I mean, we got to look good, look good for the people. <laughs> you never know who's watching. 
like I said, like I said earlier, like when the initial episode, like I've been blessed, I've grown tremendously. And I'm at 10k followers now. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of viewership. Um, if you're from my TikTok, I appreciate you guys checking us out weekly. And I mean, if this is your first episode checking us out, just be sure to keep tuning in. But yeah. Well, I know you have uh, some strong feelings about what Charles Barkley said about John Morant. We're going to touch on that a little bit later in the Brace debate. But how concerned are you right now here at the top of the show about our team, the injuries, and the prospects we might take about sliding down the Western Conference standings right now? So, personally, I'm on a boat saying that we just need to weather the storm. <laughs> I don't think it's the end of the world right now. I understand yeah, like it is sort of scary. We just were missing John Moran. He got injured. Was the game against OKC? No Desmond Bain. And the thing about it is, people think Desmond Bain will be back probably within a week or two. The key word is reevaluated. That does not mean he will be back. And then, of course, Jaron is on a pitch count, and he's going to rest some night. So it's it's a lot. It's a it's, it's scary times as a Grizzlies fans right now. But, I mean, you look at this Western Conference right now, it's just everybody's on top of each other. Of course, somehow, some reason, Utah is number one in the West. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you got two two through four, and they're tied up with the same record, 10 and six, as Phoenix, Portland, and Denver. And then you got the category fifth, the Sacramento Kings, and then we're six right now, sitting six. Um, the Clippers, New Orleans, and then Dallas and Minnesota, those are the remainder for the 10 spots. I mean, the Grizzlies can lose a few games. I don't see us losing that many games, even without our guys. I, I know John, he's on a week-to-week basis. I feel like the Grizzlies can steal a few games because we played competitive last night against the uh, Brooklyn Nets. A lot of people have doubt, doubt the Grizzlies because we don't have our stars, but these guys are such competitors. And like what Taylor Jenkins said, next man up. And he's embracing the players embody that system. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Last night they showed that, yeah, at the end of the quarter, at the end of the fourth quarter, we need our stars. But it, it, we, can, we can sometimes get around and, and stretch those games and we can get a win. I'm not too I'm not too too worried because I know reinforcements are coming. Um, Zaire, I know, I know initially, like you said, probably was it six to eight weeks. It's coming. It's it's coming on soon that Zaire should be back with us, and it looked like Zaire has grown as well. So <laughs> that could be an additional boost. And then John Moran is week to week, and I know Desmond Bain isn't going to be out for forever. But I'm I'm not I'm not too worried. But at the same time, it's like yeah, we do need to take precautions, and guys got to be playing their best basketball right now without their stars. Yeah, for sure. And I know we're going to talk a little bit later in the show about the schedule coming up over the next couple of weeks, which I think kind of falls in our favor a little bit, given the injuries we have tonight on the show. We have our some of our regular segments. We have embrace debate. We have Xavier, your X's and O's. We have Climbing Corner and then our NBA championship rankings, the point system debate that we started last week. I want to go back and revisit our initial rankings. That's why I thought it would be kind of fun to bring it back this week and see if they've shifted since week one. But for starters, let's jump right into Embrace Debate. Our first segment for the day, Embrace Debate, goes back to the comments made by TNT's Charles Barkley during Tuesday's broadcast that saw Memphis lose to New Orleans 113 to 102 on national TV. Barkley said, and I want to quote this because it's important for a conversation. He said, quote, the next evolution for Ja 
is that he's got to learn how to make the players around him better. When you're a great player, you can get your shot anytime you want to. I don't think he's added that to his game yet. Sometimes when you make a play, you got to be thinking, eh, I can go around this guy, but I need to get this guy going. Ja was upset. <laughs> Grizzly Twitter was upset. Ja responded. Xavier, what is your take on what Charles Barkley said Tuesday night? I mean, obviously, he just watches the big games. He doesn't watch Grizzlies basketball. And that's what a lot of the of these big, big time commentators and big time followers. I mean, it, they have to cover the big names and they like LeBron James and Kevin Durant and the big stars. And I mean, they're not able to watch all 82 games, and which I understand. But, you know, deep down as a Grizzlies fan, John Morant has performed at a high level and he's got this team playing at a high level without John Morant of this equation. I don't think none of these players play at their, at their peak right now. I'll be honest, especially somebody as, as, as the, the style of Desmond Bain. I don't think Desmond Bain takes a huge leap or jump without John playing with next to John Morant. And you got guys that's been deep, deep, uh, bench players and now they're playing starter minutes starter in big roles such as John Conchart and I feel like that's a, a big product of John Moran I give credit to the Grizzlies development as well down there in uh, South Haven but John Moran really installs he installs great leadership and I think that's can't that can't be told everybody has their own different way of being a leader and I think John Moran has embraced that and being that role here in Memphis and you look on the court He's always passing to guys, whether they're hot or not. Like he was passing it uh, Tuesday to Dylan Brooks. Brooks was not making a shot to save his life. And he still has the confidence in his players and his teammates to make those shots, even though they're not hot. And I mean, I, and like, I felt like Charles Barkley was just nitpicking uh, John Morant because I think a lot of people are starting to, Sort of dislike, I, I wouldn't say dislike, but they're hating on the Grizzlies, man, because they see us having fun. They see us having a good time. We got the swag behind us. We're, we're a tough team to beat. So, yeah, they're going to nitpick on, on the Grizzlies, on the Grizzlies, and people are going to build you up to tear you down. So, we got to, John Moran could take those comments, and I felt like that next game, he he did show that, like, hey, okay, you want to say that I'm a – I don't make my, my teammates better. And so well, he finished the game with 11 assists um, uh, that night against OKC. And then he was, uh, you saw he was active trying to get players involved in feeling to those comments. But we all know that John Morant makes this team a whole lot better. Like, like this team does not perform at, at its highest level, at a championship level without John Morant. Yeah, so in the Embrace Debate segment, so Matt, over to you and, and kind of feeding off what Xavier said there. I want you to also address, are we sometimes too quick to write off criticism that we don't like? Ah, that's just Charles being Charles on national television. Sometimes we write off criticism that we don't agree with. Is there an element of truth to it? Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't think that Charles said anything. Like, I don't think he was really attacking Jaw as much as we made it out to be, or maybe as personally as Jaw took it. Like, that's just the kind of guy that Jaw is. It's going to motivate him and make him better. And that's fine, but I think there is a little bit of truth to it. And making your teammates better doesn't always mean having 10 assists a game. Sometimes it could be, be being a better defender, more more connected and more um, bought in on that side of the ball and being accountable for your mistakes on the defensive end of the floor. Sometimes it is balancing 
the selfishness aspect of getting his own shot off and getting other guys involved in the game. But I think that there is some truth to the fact that, yes, he does pass the ball a ton. Sometimes he leaves his guys in bad spots, though. The way that Ja attacks so often is once he's in the air, he's almost making a split decision whether he's going to score or he's going to kick it out. And a lot of the times that's at the end of the shot clock. And sometimes that can lead to really tough uh, corner threes, threes out on the wing for guys with the shot clock running down. And that's not necessarily getting your guys uh, open and better looks. Obviously, in the transition game, he's one of the best. He can get guys really good looks. He can get to the rim and uh, distribute, get guys um, those lobs where they can finish at the rim as well. So I think there is some truth to it. I don't think that it it was something that should have been taken personally. And Xavier's dead on. What happened here is – Charles Barkley doesn't watch the Grizzlies, and that's fine. He can't watch every single game, and he's not supposed to. He doesn't have to. That was the first game that the Memphis Grizzlies had played on TNT this year, probably the first game he had watched all season of the Grizzlies start to finish, and Jaw ended the game with four assists and a loss. So it's an easy argument to make. He can go on TV and say that and fill his 30 seconds. That's what his job is. I think it got blown out of proportion a little bit. I hope Ja takes it personally and and makes it uh, a motivating factor that he can make guys better. But exactly like Xavier said, he came out the next night. He said, fine, you want to see me pass the ball? Here's 11 assists, and I'm not even going to score 20 points, and my team's still going to win. So he can do it. He can go out there and give you 10 assists every time, but he also has to balance out the fact that this team doesn't win if he is doing that all the time. Like, that was against the Thunder we can't win games in the playoffs against the Grizzlies unless he is being a certain level of selfish and getting his own shot. It's just about finding that balance, and that's a really thing hard, to, a really hard thing to do in the NBA for any guard. Well, I think it's very interesting when you have a team now with expectations. We <laughs> we're going to be on national television more. We're a better team, right? And that's great. Except the national television media is not always going to be Pete Pranica and Brevin Knight. And Rob Fisher, and they're going to cover the team a little bit differently, and they're going to say things sometimes that we don't like. It's it's just kind of interesting, you know, when you have a certain level of success, you have to, you open yourself up for a little bit of criticism and a little. And, and, and Xavier, you mentioned it. Maybe they're hating on the Grizzlies a little bit. It was kind of fun when the Grizzlies were, you know, oh my God, the little engine that could. They were second seed in the West last year. This is a serious team with serious championship aspirations. So it's really, really interesting. The other part I wanted to mention to you guys is it's very easy to blow off someone like Charles Barkley. But on anyone's top 20 players of all time, he's in it. And so to say that, like, he doesn't understand basketball or he doesn't know what he's talking about or Charles is just being – he knows what he's talking about. Now, now, maybe he doesn't watch the Grizzlies enough, Matt, to your point. but. I do sort of, you know, listen to the source. And the guy was on the dream team. He's a Hall of Famer, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, Xavier, so is there an element of this is like Charles is a cartoon character on TNT? Or is it like, well, maybe Charles Barkley knows what he's talking about. And we should take him at least a little bit seriously as much as we love Ja. I mean, his 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 comments does have some input to it. Like, it has some meaning behind it. because. He, had, he, he was a great and all-time legend, and he knows what it takes to be great. Him and Shaq, you know, they always have comments on players and guys that feel like this would can really take them to the next level and be, you know, the MVP or be that star because, I mean, they were MVPs. They made it to championships. But at the same time, 
if you're not watching all 82 games, you don't know the backstory just off one game. You just can't make a conclusion from there. I, Brandon Clark does not get paid $52 million without John Morant. That's all John Morant being John, John Morant making Brandon Clark that great. Like Brandon Clark has literally become and emerged as John Morant basically bouncing bro- brother out there on the court, throwing the lobs and playing at a, at a high pace due to the fact of John Morant. So you cannot just based off one game. Okay, yeah, John Morant scored a lot of points, but he didn't get any, anybody involved. It's plenty of other games, eighty-one games that he has been involved. It's and I understand, yeah, like. At a guy at a game like that, you want to see your players and other guys step up and try to get them involved because that Pelican Pelican game it was a little stagnant, but you just can't you just can't focus off one game and and uh, you know Charles, uh, I mean he's got to cover uh, the big guys the big names and he just doesn't know like the details and the small minute d- details that John Morant does bring to this team other than just passing and scoring the ball. Yeah, but so so it's very interesting you said that Brandon Clark has become better. Matt, let me ask you before we move to the next segment. <laughs> Brandon Clark, Zaire Williams, all the guys on the team, how much has John Morant made them better because Memphis is now cool? He wanted to be there. The team is better. It's not just you can make someone better on the court. You make someone better by making the environment and the basketball situation better not just the the assists and the rebounds those types of statistics is that fair yeah I mean he's a culture setter he's obviously gotten these guys bought in uh to that the the unselfish nature of yeah Brandon Clark isn't is fine in his role like he he doesn't need to start he didn't throw a fit that Santi started over him to start the season like all of those things are because you have a guy like John Morant who is that leader and is that culture setter if I can, real quick, I wanted to go back to the thing that uh, you just asked Xavier about. Should we respect Chuck's opinion on this? I think, yeah, you got to listen to the legends and stuff like that. But it's very interesting that it was him and Shaq that we're talking about. He's got to get guys involved. And it was Kenny was the only one who pushed back on it, the only guard. Why would Shaq and Chuck say that, that he has to get other teammates involved? Because they were big guys. They had to have somebody else get them involved. They didn't bring the ball up the court. Chuck a little bit more so than Shaq maybe, but – from their perspective, they don't get their job done if the guard isn't getting them the ball. Kenny was the only one that pushed back and said, are you sure that he doesn't get his teammates involved? Yes, you got to listen to them because they're the legends, but also take into account that the only guard sitting on that panel also said, no, he's actually pretty good at it. Uh, before we move on real quick, by the way, Kenny Smith is my all-time favorite Tar Heel. I still tear up when I think about the 1987 Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, I'm sorry, the Eastern Regional Finals when North Carolina was number one team in the country in 1987, and we lost to Syracuse, and Kenny Smith was a star. I loved him at North Carolina. I'm showing my age. Let's go to topic two. <laughs> On Xavier's X's and O's this week, we need to discuss the impact of losing Desmond Bain and John Morant for the foreseeable future to the team's injury report that already has Zaire Williams on it and Jaron's status is sort of game to game as he recovers from his foot injury. Xavier, what does this mean for the Grizzlies? Who has to step up? Do we have the talent to compete over the next few weeks and not slide too far down those Western standings? So it's simple. Just give Dylan the ball and let him shoot 30 shots a game. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. We saw that last night, but, I mean, he, he ended up scoring 30 points and he was aggressive. But in reality, in reality, you have to have everybody to step up 
and the rookies got to come along big time. I'm a, I'm expecting the rookies, at least one of the rookies, to come off the bench and give you double figure, double digit scoring efforts every single night between Laravia, Roddy, and even Kennedy Chandler. I'm expecting Kennedy Chandler to to run the offense in the second unit and being up to par really quickly. And I know Jaron is day to day, but you asking for Jaron now to be that primary scorer when he is out there on the court. A lot of people forget. 2018, the Grizzlies was in, in a disarray. We didn't know who the new star was going to be. We just drafted Jaron, and we thought Jaron was was an amazing. We thought him a unicorn. We was like, okay, yeah, this is our future right here. Jaron can lead us to a, at least the playoffs, and he was scoring at a high high caliber. And then 2019, we drafted John Morant. I don't think people remember that 2019 season. Jaron scored at career high points. And a game 43 points. He is very capable of scoring big time numbers. And I know we're asking a lot for Jaron to come up to speed coming off a foot injury. That's a lot in, in score. But I mean, that game against OKC, we saw him being a dog out there. 25 points, dunking on people's heads, had a career high rebounding. Jaron was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, where did this come from? And then I like as well, like he's attacking the rim more aggressive, not being passive. So we need that Jaron to be the primary scorer. And then I feel like you got to believe into the system. Ball movement is going to be critical now because you got to find the best shots. You can't have, you don't have a guy that's really able to create his own shot and and, and at the end of the shot clock and bail you out like John Morant or Desmond Bain. You have to do the ball movement, in which that means Tyus Jones is going to have to lead and run the system a lot and in and, and, and a smoother way. You have to find the wide open cuts. Guys got to be able to make the easy layups. Because I know David Roddy, it was a lot of gimmies that they missed last night. You got to be able to make those gimmies because you don't have the star power to, to, to ignite a run of Desmond Bain or, or John Morant. You have to defile the gaps and communicate defensively. Let your defense ignite your offense. Get those blocks, play those passing lanes, and get those easy buckets. Like I said, I feel like the Grizzlies just got to weather the storm right now. I understand, yes, it's hard knowing that, like, maybe we'll be without our big three, and we're out with two two of our three guys right now critically for the next two weeks. But – I still have faith in the guys and the culture that we've, we've installed. Like I said, the next man up, like we play at a high level, we can play great defense and like we, we can squeeze out some wins against sometimes even the best teams. Yeah. The thing Xavier though, right. Is that uh, bench guys are inconsistent. They play better at home normally. So I think we can expect inconsistent performances over the next couple of weeks because we're relying on guys on the team to play maybe more minutes than they're used to. And again, bench players, you know, stars play great everywhere. Michael Jordan plays you know, LeBron. They, they play great everywhere. Bench guys are a little more inconsistent. We're asking a little bit change in their roles. For example, this past week, you know, Brandon Clark, 33 minutes against New Orleans, 15 points, three rounds. That's pretty good. Then against Oklahoma City, 23 minutes, two points. Against Brooklyn, 17 minutes, two points, and a minus, uh, what, oh my goodness, 20 in the plus minus. His performance this past week I thought was very uneven. I thought it was indicative of what we might see. And, and Matt, the thing is that the schedule isn't terrible over the next three weeks. We've got Sacramento, New Orleans, the Knicks, Minnesota, Philly, who's inconsistent. We have Detroit twice, Miami and Oklahoma City. My question to you, Matt, is uh, do you feel like we get a little bit of a schedule break here looking at the next couple of weeks? 
I don't. I honestly think that this is way tougher than what they've seen so far. Sacramento's huh. looked really good over the last two weeks, whatever it's been. Uh, Xavier, I know you were high on Sacramento. I was as well coming into the season, and now they're actually looking like a really good basketball team. I mean, to finish out November, yeah, it's Kings, Pelicans, Knicks, Timberwolves, and then you move over to December. December is going to be tough too. Those two Pistons games are really your only break. Those aren't going to be gimmies either. Uh, and you play one of them on the road, too. I think that the schedule is really tough. They, they're going to play the Thunder again in December. But other than that, it's the Suns, the Raptors, the Pelicans again, Milwaukee, the Hawks, Miami, who was a, and is always a contender in the East. Like, I look at the schedule as really tough um, through the end of this year. And I think they're really going to struggle. I mean, yeah, the, the name of the game right now is to kind of tread water try and stay around 500 by the time uh, January rolls around. And I think you'll be in good shape, but uh, I mean, yeah, these guys are, they're, they're getting thin at, at almost every position now as these injuries keep piling up, especially when you lose, lose your top three stars, it's hard to tread water by any means, but luckily they did do some good work at the start of the season. So they do have a little bit of wiggle room to kind of come back uh, to the middle I think it's going to be a really tough run, though. I don't see any kind of uh, break in the schedule, really, compared to what we've seen through the first 17 games or so. But the concern that I have, right, is that sometimes we criticize Taylor Jenkins for his rotations, and that's with almost a full strength and, and a full team. Sure. He, he, in my opinion, his rotations and the way he coaches over the next couple of weeks is absolutely critical because, again, Matt, I think bench players struggle on the road and when their minutes are inconsistent. So just touch on like what you think Taylor Jenkins needs to do over these next couple of weeks to keep his bench guys that are going to see their role change a bit, keep them as comfortable as possible. Well, I think, and that's double true when three of your bench guys who are going to be in the rotation are rookies, right? Like these guys haven't been thrown into the fire really like that on the road so far in this season. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be huge to see how some of these guys respond uh, coming off the bench and talking about bench guys going into starting roles, like I think Tyus is really the X factor over these next couple of weeks till Jaw gets back. I think that the way that he can set the table for everybody and the way he's been scoring the ball at a much higher rate this year, I was kind of surprised to see him kind of be passive as, as a scorer in the Brooklyn game uh, where he got the start. I think he should be taking five to seven threes over these next couple of weeks until they get some of that scoring back from Jaw and the three point shooting they get back from Desmond Bain. Like, Tyus has got to be a huge part of keeping this thing afloat. Uh, and some other guys, too. Like, yeah, Conchar is kind of in the same spot now that he's sliding back into the starting rotation um, to take that spot at Desmond Bain. And, yeah, other than that, it's a bunch of rookies they're relying on and Brandon Clark to come off the bench for him over the next little bit. Like, it's going to be really tough. You got to have guys show up. You can't have the inconsistency that Brandon Clark showed over the last two games, but I will give him a shout-out. I thought the game against the Pelicans was one of his best games of his career. He looked really good in that game. We need more of that from him over these next couple of weeks. So, Zaire, in, in this segment, uh, when we break down more of like the technical X and O's part of this, so Jaron is sort of like game to game, at least for the next couple of weeks. We'll see. Uh, hopefully he can play as much. But in your opinion, does it hurt the team more to start him and then he's out? Or should he always be coming off the bench at this point to give some more consistency to a starting rotation if he's not going to be there every night? Is that a fair question? I feel like you got to start, Jaron, because, I mean, you got to put him in the game-ready groove, and that's his natural uh, spot right there in that starting power forward position. 
Only thing I have a problem is is the man, the minutes adjustments that Taylor Jenkins run with Jaron. He's on a pitch count of twenty five minutes. For some reason, he he utilizes his twenty five minutes up early in the fourth quarter. He's not playing those closing stretches of the fourth quarter. Santi is there and close games, especially against that Pelicans game. I know that was his first game back. We would have need that defense. That defense would have been lovely those last four to five minutes. So I think you really have to play Jaron, not coming him off the bench, especially now that you have two of your main stars out. And then Jaron, I mean, yeah, he's a night-to-night basis. But, of course, he's gaining more, more comfortable out there. He's getting more strong with the foot. But you have to start him because you need the offense. You need the defense. It's just too critical right now because you're relying on so many guys that's coming off the bench those three rookies, and, and like you said, a lot of these guys are inconsistent. Yes, they can play some great basketball, but Jaron, we know what's, what he's great at. The defense is going to be there every single night. And he, he has five, five, six blocks his first night back on the court. That's that's pretty ridiculous. So we know that the defense is going to be there. I mean, his offense is a little bit inconsistent, but we know, we know that he can bring offense to the table. And at this time, like, we need any spark that we can get because we want to stay afloat. But I want I just want to like have everybody calm because you look at the West right now, it's just like everybody's a game or two behind. If we go, if we lose a game or two or maybe even three, it's not like we're going to be out of contention very hard. And I think a lot of teams are going to start we we're going to start seeing true colors of teams within the next five to 10 games because I mean, the season is starting to pick up and sadly injuries are picking up for a lot of these teams as well. And we will start seeing the true colors for these teams. And I know the Grizzlies we're bound to go to the playoffs. Well, that's a perfect bridge to our next topic. So we'll pause right there and go into our next segment. Okay. So today's next topic, climbing corner, we're going to play a little GM and see what we can do for the team here as the start of the season is unfolding and how the team is shaping up. Xavier, you just made the point in the last segment about how we're going to see teams evolve over the next week or two. Uh, I've been clear that I think Zach Kleinman is going to make a midseason trade as the market shapes up and teams start playing more for Wembayama than the playoffs. Matt, are we on the same page here, you and I? I mean, are, do you think our roster will get the boost we need just from the returning injured players? Yeah, I've kind of come to the conclusion that I think that this roster might be pretty set um, going from – I think that this is going to be a pretty similar roster that we have going into the playoffs. They may add another role player, but they're not going to make that swing for uh, top-tier star player until this offseason, I think. I think they want to play out the rest of the season, see what they've got from some of these bench guys. Uh, see what the rookies can bring as well, and then kind of evaluate what the, the market is like for these stars. We haven't really heard a ton of rumblings from all you know accounts. It, it looks like Kevin Durant's willing to give it a shot to play it out this season in Brooklyn, so I think that that's kind of dead. Um, that was kind of the only one that, that we had a, as a possibility that people have kicked around as a trade target for Memphis. I think they're going to wait for the offseason. And I think that maybe what they plan to do is that they wanted to play out this season from the beginning and figure out which of the two, Bain or Jaron, they are more willing to part with in a deal for a huge star this offseason. And I think the way that this thing has played out so far, Desmond Bain has acquitted himself as such a great player that he is the one that is untouchable going forward. And I think 
if they do make a swing for a star player this offseason, I think it could be Jaron on the way out, especially depending on how this injury kind of works it works its way out, see if he does come all the way back and can finish the season strong. Because I think that they do want to capitalize this championship window they have with a young player and a young superstar in John Morant. So I think that if a, do- a big trade does present itself, it could be Jaron on his way out instead of Desmond Bain at this point. Oh my goodness, that's super interesting. And he's on a good contract too, right? Really, if you're another team, $25 million a year, I think that's a pretty good deal for Jaron Jackson Jr. But you know, it's funny you mentioned Kevin Durant. Xavier had a note here to ask you, if Brooklyn calls us and asks for Stephen Adams, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, Zaire Williams, Jake LaRavia, and three number ones for Kevin Durant, who says no? Uh <laughs> I feel like the Grizzlies fans, the fans are going to say no. That's a whole different thing, though, right? That's what we pay. Fan is short for fanatic, right? Yeah. But obviously, we have to say yes. I mean, that's of course, we're getting getting rid of of a lot of depth. But at the end of the day, that's Kevin Durant. That's automatically going to put us in championship contending mode right there. Number one in the West. A lot of people have us coming out the West. But I, I agree with Matt, though. Like, I feel like that this team is just set in stone right now. I don't see a trade happening this year. Um, the, the chemistry and the vibes are just immaculate right now, and guys are just too happy. Even with the, the losses, they're bouncing back. They're still dancing. They're still having a good time, and guys just know each other. So, I, I like I said, I feel like the Grizzlies just need to weather the storm right now of the, of the injuries. I feel like we have the reinforcements when they come back. People forget about Zaire, has forgotten about Zaire. I feel like a lot of people has forgotten about Zaire. Like I said, I think he's grown two inches. Uh, he was next to Jaron Jackson. That was the same height. That was not the same last year. And I think this can be very significant. Zaire can be a big, big bucket getter off the bench. And then as well, Danny Green down the line, that's another shooter if he does come back and and and, and play. So I, I feel I still have confidence of, of the guys that we have. If anything, I feel like if there was a trade, they would package Xavier Tillman and probably John Conchart or or Santi Aldama to move some, somebody and get like a Jordan Clarkson or somebody in that nature. But it's not like a huge, huge trade. But I, I just feel like this team is set in stone right now. Like, the, like I said, the vibes are immaculate. You don't want to break a bond right now. I find that pretty interesting because I kind of disagree with both of you in a sense, respectfully, right? But I, I I sort of feel like waiting till the off season's just passing on another great year of John Moran. I mean, I think the West is open, and and I you know I I've talked before. I think Boston, Milwaukee are very good. I I don't think the West is very good. I think we think they're going to be good. I think we think Denver's going to be good, and the Clippers and and the Suns. I think we can win the West. I don't, I don't think we can win it the way we're constructed right now. I think we're a professional scorer away. There's way too much pressure, in my opinion, on John Morant and Desmond Bain to be consistently amazing on offense every night. You know, who's that guy off our bench who can drop 25 once in a while when, when, when things are going south? I, I, think, I think we have a lot of pieces. We have cap flexibility. We have draft picks. And I think it's kind of the time to make a move. I still come back to why we have not extended Dylan Brooks I really think that expiring deal is a big thing. I think he's going to, I think Kleiman's going to put Denny Green into a trade who I like, Tar Heels, shout out. Uh, but I, I would be really, really surprised by the All Star break when you see these teams start to really understand Utah's not winning the title this year. This is ridiculous. They should be losing every game for this French kid. They're a nice story. 
but they have no chance to win the NBA championship. Portland has no chance to win the NBA championship. And these teams are going to start realizing that even more so in the spring. I think we should grab one of their, their high-level players, and, and I think we should make a run. I think the West is wide open. Boston and Milwaukee will eat each other in the East, right? We don't have to beat both of them. If you just be one team in the finals, and and I I think we got a real chance, but not the way the roster is constructed. Because I mean, good God Almighty, Stephen Adams is shooting twenty three point three percent from the free throw line. The problem, I think, guys, is sometimes we get very close to these players. We like them. I love Brandon Clark. My wife's like in love with him. It's like her favorite player she's ever seen in her life. It, it's fun. Like we like all these guys. I love Zaire Williams. But do we want to win or not? Is it, is is the goal to like the team or is the goal to win a championship? And I think we got a bunch of assets. I'm just going to be shocked if by the All-Star break, we have not made a trade because I think I think it's there for us. Yeah, I think this, I mean, it's it's possible, but I think the ceiling for this year is a Jordan Clarkson or a Jay Crowder, that kind of guy, Kyle, Kyle Kuzma, even when we talked about before being a trade target. And I think this offseason could be the move to get another star. And you talked about the shooting struggles from the line of Steven Adams, a guy that I've been flirting with uh, on the old trade machine a little bit this last little bit has been Bam out of bio for the Miami Heat. That's a guy that I think if you move out Jaron, Steven Adams as well, and you let Bam kind of be a, um, a free throw line distributor and, and do what he does in the pick and roll and be a really good defensive anchor, that that's a guy in the future that could really um, give you a huge boost. But as you said, Dave, they do also need another scorer as well. They got to have guys that can make it easier on the two guards. I just think you got to have a guy, you know, in, in the second round, third round of the playoffs that when Bain's struggling and Morant maybe, you know, isn't as healthy or struggling or worn down or whatever, that he can come off the bench and score 25. And I, I, and I just don't see it on the roster right now. Our final segment for the day, inspired by the NCAA college football playoff rankings. We all list our top four NBA championship contenders. And during the season, teams receiving points will be ranked accordingly. We'll see how accurate we are when we get to April. Last week, this was the first time we had this segment on the show, guys. Uh, and we'll be here every week, but I thought it would be kind of interesting to see if, in this case, one week made any difference to our rankings. So before we start, Matt, can you run down the current rankings and then give us your top four? Yeah, so we had uh, our top four, and then we had two others receiving votes. So I'll start with six. Uh, we had Golden State. Dave, you gave them their lone vote. Then we had the Memphis Grizzlies at five, on just on the outside looking in. And then uh, at four, we had Denver. Three, we had Boston. Two, we had Cleveland. And number one, we had the Milwaukee Bucks. I will note we had Cleveland and Boston with the uh, same point total. They did tie for that two-three spot. And we had Cleveland at two uh, with the tiebreaker of me and Xavier both having them at two in our individual rankings. Um, so that's where we stand. Milwaukee one, Cleveland two, Boston three, Denver four, Memphis and Golden State on the outside looking in. And uh, uh, good. So, Matt, uh, what is your top four here now in the second week that we've done this segment? Yeah, so a little bit of shakeup for me. We kind of me and Xavier maybe got caught with our pants down immediately after we did that segment last week after Boston had a really good uh, win at Atlanta. Dave, you let us hear about it. Um, and I'll get to them in a second. But number four, I'm going to still leave Cleveland in there. Um, they had a little bit of a struggle with a five-game losing stretch. They bounced back one, two in a row, um, and, and they've looked pretty good. And I just really love their ceiling. I think that mm. with their two big guys, um, Mobley and Jared Allen, I think that they have a really good uh, perimeter defensive um, structure. And then, you know, the way uh, 
uh, Donovan Mitchell has played and, and the the ceiling of Darius Garland. I love their their guards as well. Number three, a little bit different for me. Again, I've got three East teams and one Western team this time. Number three, a little bit of a shakeup, though. I'm putting Phoenix in here. I think we need to give them a lot more respect. I think we did not do our job very well by leaving them completely off the rankings last week. So I've got Phoenix at three. Obviously, they've had no Jay Crowder this season um, with his kind of disagreement with him coming off the bench or starting role. So that's just a lost spot on their roster for them. He's probably going to get moved here very shortly. Chris Paul's been in and out of the lineup, and they've still quietly just been one of the best offensive and defensive teams in the league. Again, I think it's one of those fatigue factors, and people um, have kind of lost confidence in them after the terrible Game 7 they had last year, and teams are kind of – or well, people are waiting – for them to prove it. Number two, though, got to put the Celtics there. As I said, they had a really impressive win on the road at Atlanta. They had no Marcus Smart, no Malcolm Brogdon. Jason Tatum really handled the ball a lot for them. And Tatum didn't even score 20 points, and they still had a really convincing win. So I got to put them up there. But Milwaukee, to me, is still number one. I just trust them the most. Uh, once Curtis Middleton comes back as well, like I think that they're going to really show – that this is one of the best teams. Uh, Giannis, obviously, the big story has been he's been struggling from the free throw line. I think he'll figure it out. It's something he struggled with for forever. He's still a good player. He's still great. They have a great defensive team as well. So I still have Milwaukee one. So it's uh, Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix, and Cleveland for me, top four. I really like this segment. Xavier, I know you like Cleveland. Are they still in your top four? Yes. And actually, I'm going to go all four east. This oh, week. all right. All right. Uh, all right, yeah, so Cleveland is at my number four spot. Uh, obviously, yeah, they've taken a lot of L's ahead of five games of the street, like what Matt said, but I still have confidence in them. They they play some great basketball. Um, a lot of, they, they really need to learn. each. I feel like each guard between Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell needs to have a special connection, connection with each big. That would be great. Coming off the pick and roll, throwing lobs, they need to have their own special connection. All right. And my number three spot, I got the Hawks. Uh, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, that's a backcourt right there. Actually, that's actually going to be a matchup tonight. The Hawks are actually playing against Cleveland. That's yep. a backcourt battle right there. And Great game. I think a lot of people have been sleeping on the Hawks, man. Trey Young and DeJounte have been playing a little bit, been playing some great ball. Uh, Trey Young has been playing off the ball. I know he's not shooting great, but he still has been playing great basketball and then DeJounte Murray is a phenomenal defender. I mean, an all-NBA perimeter-type guy def defender. And I think he's been – that was one of the big reasons why the Hawks were so skeptical was their defense, especially around the perimeter. You add Trey – I mean, you add DeJounte Murray, and then you finally have a healthy DeAndre Hunter. That's their other best per perimeter defender, too. I think they – make a run i think they do need, they are a trade away and I, they are in trade uh, rumors right now with john collins i feel like they are one piece away and that can be a very dangerous team but they've had a good week at my number two spot i got the celtics man yeah like 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 matt said the celtics man they just find a way to step up every single night like whether who's out there of uh, uh, brogdon being missing or jason tatum being missing they have guys to step up uh, Grant Williams or, or White, they'll be able to make those threes. And, I mean, Jason Tatum is still playing in the MVP level. And then, like I like Matt said, number one, I still got confidence in Milwaukee. Like, they're just – I know they've taken a lot of L's lately and then Giannis pushing ladders over and stuff. But I don't <laughs> yeah. think that's going to – little WWE, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Good. Yes, I don't think that's going to knock them off the course. Yeah. Um, 
they're still just has has that championship DNA. Um, Chris Middleton should be coming back soon. That's their second bucket getter. Their defense is still elite. And then you got Javon Carter coming off the bench. That's playing great basketball. They're still missing Pat Connaughton, I believe. I think when they're really officially healthy, healthy, I think that they can be. They will be the number one team and still be the dominant team out out in in, in the NBA. Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. The uh, Boston Celtics won nine games in a row. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna start right there. I'm gonna start number one. But I, I think Boston's the best team in the league. They won nine in a row. I, I just love the way they're playing. I love the way they're carrying themselves. Like I told you last week, they got their scars in the finals last year. They look like a team that understands what it takes. I do agree with you. I mean, Milwaukee's very good. I have them number two. I thought that 113-98 win over Cleveland was a very, very nice win for that team. And, uh, you know, I mean, they've got a couple of losses, but they're going to be there in the end, right? They're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think we're splitting hairs a little bit in the East. I don't know of a team, maybe Atlanta, maybe Cleveland, maybe Toronto could knock off one of those guys in the playoffs. But it just seems like Boston, Milwaukee is going to be the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I agree with uh, Matt on Phoenix. I put Phoenix third this week. I think that Devin Booker right now, you know, I'm big into the star power of the league. And when your star is playing really well, I, I kind of feel like it's his team now sort of transitioning a little bit away from like, you know, Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I, I think Chris Paul is an average player at this point. I think he's, you know, he's great in the State Farm commercials. He's, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. Hey, this is Devin Booker's team. And he's been great this week. And I think uh, I think Phoenix looks pretty good. A little bit surprising because we did write them off a little bit, maybe too soon. Fourth, uh, I have the Clippers. Because I think when Kawhi Leonard comes back, I think they play man's basketball. I just think that is a team that is a, is a group of grown men, and they're going to be tough if they're healthy. They play really, really well. I think they're deep. And I, I like the Clippers four this week. I dropped Golden State because I've read a lot this week. I don't like the way their defense is playing at all. I still think Golden State's going to be tough in the playoffs. I don't want any part of Steph Curry. There's some other teams. I, you know, I hate Luka, but Dallas can be tricky. And the thing with, with Memphis is I don't – know what we are until we're healthy I don't know I had them ranked I think too high last week and I just don't know if we go into the playoffs you know you know now Zaire's tweaked an ankle and Jaws got a hip problem and Dylan Brooks is you know irritating I, I don't know like we have a lot of noise around the team sometimes if we go into the playoffs fully healthy and ready to go I think we're going to be really really difficult to beat but right now I don't think that's the team we are I like Boston one Milwaukee two Phoenix three and the Clippers four so a little bit different. It's interesting. The three of us, we still, you know, differ maybe a little bit on, on where Boston, Milwaukee are. I don't love Cleveland as much as you guys. Interesting. The Hawks jump in here for their first uh, first appearance. So any last words, man, uh, before we move on from this segment? Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to work out the kinks on how we're going to carry over from last week. But as of right now, if we just look at this week, what we have is Milwaukee at one, Boston at two, Phoenix at three. Atlanta jumping into the four spot, making the making the college football playoff. If we're sticking with that, and uh, and then on the outside looking in this week, we have Cleveland, who we had at number four, uh, excuse me, number two last week, and uh, the Clippers you added in at six. Um, so that would probably leave Denver, Memphis, and Golden State right there at seven, eight, nine. We can probably kind of figure that out later on, but yeah, those are our top four right now: Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix, and Atlanta. So. Two through four, all new teams, or at least in different orders. Boston was three last week, so a little bit of a shakeup, and that's the way these things go in the NBA, right? Things change every week. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's amazing 
uh, we can feel so strongly about a team. And then after a couple games, we feel a little bit differently. But I, I think this is fun. We'll revisit this in a few shows, uh, bring that segment back. But that is our show for this week. Before we wrap up, Matt, where can the listeners find you on social media? Yeah, at Matt H. Gill. Follow me on there for all my content. Uh, check out the SBN Grizzlies Twitter as well to find all of our stuff on Grizzly Bear Blues. Uh, and check out the website as well, grizzlybearblues.com, for all the written uh, content and all the podcast posts and all the th- everything like that. That's where you can find all my stuff. And by the way, are you going to be still hosting Grizzly Bear Bets uh, off and on? Like, what, what's what's going on with that? Just, uh, you know, in spots where it's needed, but that is kind of Chase's uh, show. And I think he's back in the mix now, so I'm going to let him take that back over. And I'm going to retire with a little, uh, just a shred of profit from my <laughs> three appearances. <laughs> um for right now but we'll see i'll i'll keep everybody updated as i said follow matt h gill and you'll know exactly when i'm on there and when those episodes come out perfect perfect xavier how about yourself yes you can find me on my twitter at zayton takes and then you can find me on my tiktok at underscore xj you can find highlights of today's podcast and as well highlights of other nba news and coverage going on on my tiktok so you'll be sure to tune in I love the clip. So, like I said, now I have to like have a TV studio here when we do the show now. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and again, show up on your TikTok. Appreciate it. And you can find me at DOB19338. Don't forget to check out the Core 4 each week on Grizzly Bear Blues. Follow the show on Twitter at the Core 4 Podcast and send us questions or topics you would like us to discuss on an upcoming broadcast. Gentlemen, great to be with you both today. We have an exciting week coming up. Home against Sacramento. Friday, home against New Orleans. A good robbery with the Pelicans. Sunday at the Knicks. My brother lives in New York. He's going to the game. Big, big, big Knicks fan. So uh, that'll be fun. We want to thank you for tuning in and being a part of the Core 4, the show for hardcore Memphis Grizzlies fans. Stolen by Moran. Hammer. 